this morning, I um, actually want to, uh, you know, preach from the book of Habakkuk. Um, I don't know if you know it, but it's, it's quite a morbid book, it seems. And um, this prophet finds himself in this place where everything around him seems to fall apart. I, I know you can't relate. Uh, he finds himself in a very desperate and a difficult situation. He finds himself crying out to God, but it seems like God is not answering his prayers. And um, what I, you know, what the Bible is so amazing at, and what is, is actually, that's not what happened then, only. The Bible is not what happens then, but what always happens. And the Bible is given to us as an instruction to help us to, to find our way through, through this life. And um, I don't know about you, but there's something new in the air here. You know, when you're in it, you probably don't see it, but there's something different. I think this whole week I've just had such an excitement and even coming here, seeing things. God is doing something here. And, and, and this morning, I want to ask you, King City Church, are you ready for answered prayer? You see, so many you, times you cry out, so many nights and days and years, many for decades, crying out for God to do something. But we know the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's call them Zach and Beth. They were crying out for a child for how long? How long? And it seemed like it's never going to happen. And in their old age, God doesn't just give them any child. He gives them John the Baptist. Eh? But Zechariah wasn't ready. He wasn't ready when God answered his prayer. And he, had, he was, God silenced him. He couldn't speak until the child was born. So again, I ask you this morning, are you ready for answered prayer? Do you still believe that, you know, God can do something incredible here? You know, often a nation, you know, collapses or, or, or goes down first spiritually, and then you see it physically. In the same way, a nation starts rising firstly spiritually, and then we start seeing things physically. So I want to encourage you this morning, hopefully through this text, to, to really answer this question, because he was crying out, how much longer, Lord? Has anyone had that question? How much longer, Lord? Hey. So let's uh, have a look. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So can we pray? Lord, I want to thank you. Thank you for your word. I want to thank you for King City Church. I want to thank you, Lord, that, that you've got a great plan for this church. That you've got great things you want to do and continue to do in and through this church. And I want to pray, Lord, this morning, would you use your word to encourage us, to strengthen us, to lift up weary heads, Lord. May you take us like Moses onto Mount Nebo, and, and as you showed him the promised land, even this morning, would you lift heads again to see, but you have given lots of promises to this land. You've given lots of promises to this church. You've given lots of promises, Lord, to individuals here. 
And we want to pray, even this morning, we want to we pray, Lord, would you fan into flame those things? Would you remove dust from prophetic words? Would you come and ignite something in people's hearts and lives this morning? Would you return hope where there's maybe hopelessness? Would you give courage where there's fear, Lord? Would you commission people this morning that you want to work in and through them, that you are not finished with this city? You're not finished with this country. You're, this story is not over yet. And we want to pray for a, would you bring about a new chapter, a new thing in this city, a new thing in and through this church. Would you bring from inside you something out there that people will marvel at when they see the amazing things that the Lord has done. We ask you, Lord, this morning, come and do what only you can do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So who has ever felt like this? You've been praying so many times, yet God seems silent. God doesn't seem to hear your prayers. You've cried out for breakthrough, but it just doesn't come. What I want to show you is that you are not the first. You see, Habakkuk found himself very disappointed, even with God. Very, he felt betrayed by God. And this is no isolated event for because every believer sometime in our lives, if not a few times in our lives, have to push through what some call the betrayal barrier. Where we feel like God is ignoring us. Where we feel like God is betraying us. You know, I remember when my daughter was growing up and, um, you know, they, she just started to walk and, you know, she had to sort of where to put and she hold on to things. But there came a day where I had to go and stand a few, um, what's it, steps away from her and told her to come. And I could just remember the pain in her eyes. You know, why do I not hold her hand? Why do I not help her? And, and she was almost upset. And, you know, as she's upset, she didn't realize she's starting to walk towards me. Hey? And it was such an amazing sort of illustration for me. So often, God wants to grow us. God wants to mature us. God is getting us ready for the life to come. You see, friend, this is the closest to hell we will ever be. You see, but for many, this is the closest to heaven they will, they will ever be. You see, so God has got a purpose for us. Friend, this, this is only the training. This is only getting us ready like an heir being prepared for an inheritance. God is busy. This life is about preparation. You know, I think sometimes we make too much of this life. I think sometimes we make this the final destination. I don't know if I've told the story here about the, the missionary going up to Africa. I don't know. If I've told it, forgive me. Hey, you can correct me afterwards if I told it right. But you know, there was this missionary that was sent, you know, from America. You know, America always sends all the missionaries. Or so they say. And they sent to Africa. And, and, and this, this couple was here in Africa for many, many years, many decades. And it was, they were getting towards the end of their life. And they really felt it's time for them to go back now. And as they were going back, they were, you know, on the, this big steamship. It was many years ago. Hey, like my kids say in the old days. Hey, so they asked me, what was it like in the old days? I don't know. I wasn't there. But um, anyway. So here's this ship heading back. And as they come into this harbor in New York, he was saying to his wife, I wonder, I wonder if someone will still remember us. I wonder if, if, if someone will still, you know, be there to receive us. 
And as they sort of come into the harbor, he looks out and he sees there's a red carpet and there's a band and there's crowds and pavilions. And he was so excited. And, you know, he, he basically gets his wife and he grabs his bags. And, and as he's about to leave the ship, the security says, no, wait. And he stands there. And here comes a whole group of people. And in, amongst them was the president. And the president was on a three-week hunting safari. That's why the commotion and all these things were there. And, and after everyone has left, him and his wife walk off the ship. And there's no one. Not one person. And he was just so upset and so, he felt so betrayed and disappointed with God. And he was sitting in their, their, their place, their flat, wherever they were staying. And he was, he was saying, you know, Lord, I've given you my life. I've lived for you. I've, I've given up everything to go and serve you there. And now I've come home. And there's no one here to receive me. And he felt God say to him, but you are not home yet. You see, friends, we, we can so often think this is the end. We can so often think this is our life. But you are not home yet. There's a life coming. A life that will be is without pain, without sorrow, without lack, without all of these things. But God says the reason you and I am still here because He wants to use us. There's a city here. Many do not know their right hands from their left. There's a nation here in trouble. And God wants you and me. To help them, to go to them, to be on mission towards them. So the background to this, this whole um, um, text of, of Habakkuk is Israel was in a mess. You see, all their sins have finally caught up with them. And the prophet Habakkuk found himself in the crossfire here between Israel's disobedience and God's anger being poured out upon a nation. So let's look at what sort of made him feel that God uh, betrayed him. What made him upset? Firstly, his first complaint was that his prayers was unanswered. Complaining that God doesn't listen or hear his prayers. Another one, he says that God seems to ignore their desperate state. So if God hears him, why does God ignore their desperate state? Thirdly, why does God allow his people to endure such injustice? If God then sees, it really seems as if God doesn't care. And as some of you have told me, you know, even coming into this new year and there's suddenly lots of new taxes and all of these type of things. You see, friend, do you know what can happen when we pray? Do you know? Do you still believe when we pray, God will move? God will do things. Do you know if, if God can take Cyrus, a wicked king, and say, you must now serve, you know, provide everything my people need to build my temple. How can God, it says, God takes the, the hearts of kings and directs it like you direct water in your hands. You see, I think so often we can, we can so focus on what's not happening and what is these things that we forget to pray. That we forget to say, Lord, but this is not right. Lord, would you do this? And this is what Habakkuk was saying. Here. And, and then he basically concludes, if God is all powerful, why does he tolerate evil and suffering? Why does God knowingly permit evil to thrive? Why does God not do something about this? And I think if we look at the world today, I think many of us are crying out this prayer, Lord, what's going on? But here's the reality. 1 Corinthians, here's the short answer. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait 
until the Lord comes, He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Which means God has the full picture. You see, at best, friend, we only have a puzzle. But do not for a moment think, you know, when you see a limited part, when you only see a small thing, or maybe not see anything, don't think God is not working. Don't think God is not acting. You know, I, I remember we, we, we in, in our church, we, we sort of built this road, which was sort of an um, a ent entrance road into the church, and then it goes, turns around at the bottom of the property, and then it goes behind a wall. Goes, you know, that you go, that you exit the property. And, um, you know, we get contractors, and we pay them, and we get everything going, and I see Yero there, I see a construction vehicle. But after a couple of weeks, I'm like, what's going on here? You know, I see nothing. I see a few guys standing here or there and a, a vehicle here or there, but it, I see nothing happening. And I go to the person who was running the project and I say, what's going on here? Well, I mean, we've paid money and, you know, this is money that people from the church gave. It's like, this is, this is a problem, you know. So he says to me, just come with me. And we walked up to the wall and we sort of stood on the wall. And as I looked over the wall, that side of the road was already completed, done. But just because I couldn't see it, I didn't think it was there. I wonder, I wonder what God is doing right now. I wonder. Because again, God is actively, day by day, second by second, carrying out His purposes, friends. God is at work. And sometimes we just need to, and that's, through the eyes of faith, just be able to look over the wall to be able to see what God is doing. You see, this is what sovereignty means, that God is sovereign. If you knew what God knew, you will do exactly what God does. You see, one of the reasons we don't, you know, God actually often seems to delay when He works is because it says out of His goodness. You know, God can come back right now. He can come back right now. But there's still many that he wants to give an opportunity to receive him. And you know what? Here's the thing. Actually, people respond to God rather in difficulty than in success. Just look at Europe. Look at America. You, you look at a, a great spiritual decline in, in, in many of these nations that seemingly things are going so well. Things are so great. But then suddenly we, we see last year, you know, talking to some friends of ours, especially in Europe, God started to shake things there. God started to shake things that they have never believed could happen. He says, we've never seen so many people open to God. You know, even the things, you know, speaking to a, a businessman that um, is actually working in Israel. You know, all of the things busy happening now, you know, he said he's just been there now. He says he's never experienced this. He goes on the streets and, and, and speaking to some Jewish people there. And they come to him and they say, did we miss it? Is Jesus actually the Messiah? You see, the thing is, we see wars. We see rumors of wars. We see dictators. We see evil seemingly triumph. But you see, God brings people through difficulty to a place to cry out. To cry out. You see, friend, and if we, the people of God, 
You know, if, if we only focus and only see the ugly and the bad, how can we tell them about the good news? How can we tell them? Eh? No, no, actually, you know, like I love some, you know, someone once shared the story of someone bringing a prophetic word to the church. And this person said, um, there'll, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Um, and I know you'll be concerned. I'm a little bit concerned myself, says the Lord. Which is, which is not the Lord. Hey. And I think sometimes, you know, so, so can I say again, friend, you know what? This story is not over yet. Do not look with your natural eyes. Do not see what you don't see. Or what you see. Just don't focus on that. Allow God to show you how is at work. In your workplace. In your sphere. There are people that are in a place where they're crying out. They need help. They need someone to give them the good news. And that's why you and I are still around to do these things. I don't know if you've ever played that game where someone stands and then they fall back and you catch them. Okay? Have you played that game? Okay. Now, if I tell you to come and stand here and fall back, you know, maybe if I'm a pastor, you'll trust me. I don't know. But, you know, that game is linked to trust. You know, you'll, you'll rather do that if it's someone that you know than someone that you don't know. Hey? So what's the point? It's difficult to trust someone we don't know. And difficult, you know, that's why it's so devastating when people you look up to and those you trust disappoint you. But you see, disappointment is not only limited to people we look up to. God can at some time seem to disappoint us. Especially when he delays in performing things we desperately want from him. And I know there's lots of cries going out here. There's lots of cries, I know, in our country. Lots of cries in other countries crying out for God to do something. You see, so one of the greatest disappointments for a, a disciple of Jesus is when it seems like he's delaying. So the question is, how long would we be able to endure God's delay? Two minutes? Two hours? Two days? Two months? Twenty years? You see, David, King David had to wait 20 years. He's been anointed king. 20 years. And you think you've waited long. Hey. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years. Moses waited 40 years. Hannah, you know, Samuel's mother, waited however many years. Elizabeth, many years. Jesus waited 30 years. Because, before he finally started to do these very things that we read about. And then often when we wait, it seems like everything is going the opposite direction. Can you imagine, you know, Joseph, the dreamer, suddenly the dream turns into a nightmare when he's sold into slavery and everything just goes wrong and he's accused of abusing, you know, his, his uh, master's wife and all the craziness and he finds himself in prison. One day he's like sitting there thinking, yeah, how's that for your dream turning out, Joseph? Because it felt like his life was going this way, but God's dream was that way. What about David? David, he's anointed as king. And what does he do? You know, getting ready to be king and he starts running. Eventually he becomes an enemy of the state. The very country God has anointed him to be king over, he runs away from. Even leaves the country at some time. But God said, this is what's going to happen this way. But here's the thing. 
over time, these two roads started to intersect again. So the question is, why does it work this way? Well, I think God's promise is always ready. But we are not. Has God spoken things over your life? Has God spoken things over this country? Maybe there's great promises. I'm sure there are. But you see, God often needs to prepare us to inherit the promise. You see, that's why, you know, we have to first cross this bridge from promise to fulfillment. This we call the bridge of faith. That's why we don't give a two-year-old a big knife. Say, go play. Have fun. Yes? Or say, here's the car keys, you know, to a seven-year-old. Say, go, go drive. Go have, have fun. No, no. We have to train them. We have to prepare them. We have to help them so that they get to a place of maturity where they can do these things. So again, what does difficulty do? Difficulty actually grows our faith. It matures us. It, it, it does all these things. You know, we, we love testimonies. Then if you, you know, I'm sure you love testimonies. There's so many testimonies here. But we don't like the test that gives me the testimony. I love we have this lady in our church. You know, I ask her often, how's it going? She says, no, the Lord is building a testimony in my life. Hey? Do you know that even now God is building testimonies in your life? Okay. So trust in God requires faith. And, and this is why God uses trust. Peter talks about this. He says, and this now you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. And may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You see, friend, if I live for this life, if I live for everything here, I often say, you know, you're going to be disappointed. I don't know if you've ever traveled and then your bags were left behind. Eh? The problem is, one day, you know, you're going to be in trouble, you know, if you think, you know, because we can take all your stuff you've accumulated. All your things, even those things that your great, great, great grandmother gave you that's been passed along. All those things, when you get to heaven, it's going to be gone. Baggage control is going to take it. Eh? It's going to be gone. But what are we going to take with us? We're going to take with us the things we've done by faith. We're going to take with us people. We're going to take all of these things. So, so again, so, so why does God give you a job? Why does God give you a business? Why does God give you a farm or opportunities or all of these things? Because that is your sphere of influence. That is where He wants to use you. That is where He wants to say, take those things in, those, in that sphere and tell people about Him. To demonstrate to them and, and show them the way to God. You see, even Abraham, the father of our faith, had to pass this great trial. It says there came a time where he couldn't even hold on to the promise anymore. It says his body is as good as dead. I mean, I haven't read lately of a man getting a child at, what's it, 100? And his wife at 90. And we've got, we say we've got technology. We can do stuff. You know, but when you look at your body at 100, it's as good as dead. But clearly he wasn't dead because he was still having children, 110, 120. So he was very much alive, it seems. Eh? But here's this Abraham. Here's the one. He says, he looks at his body, he looks at his wife as good as dead. There's no chance for this to happen. And then he couldn't hold on to the promise anymore. He could only hold on to the God who made the promise. A God who is faithful. A God who will 
do what he said he will do. You see, this is what the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11 were commended for. They persisted in their faith. You see, when it says persist, it means, when it says by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, it means persistent faith. Those who persisted, who held on, who trusted God. You see, when they, they all of them, like us, face two options. Will we believe God is who He says He is? That He will do what He said He will do? Or will we try and take a shortcut? Abraham tried to help God. Hey, I don't know if you've tried to help God before. Hey, I know I have. You know, I see God takes a long time. Let me just help Him quickly. Disaster. Hey, I've got some nice trophies in my hall of shame, you know, around those things. You know, here's Jesus. You know, the enemy tries to get him to take a shortcut. Why do you want to go through all this pain and difficulty, Jesus? Just serve me. I'll give you all of these things. Hey. Abraham and Ishmael is a perfect example of this. So we are constantly faced with these same two paths. Will we help God or will we wait on God? Which one will we do? Because His will in His time is always perfect. Hey, so we have a heavenly Father who loves you. Do you know that? You see, so often we think God, God hears every prayer we pray. Do you know that? Every prayer you pray, it's either yes or no or not yet. Do you know that? You see, we think when God doesn't answer our prayers, he doesn't hear us. No, He hears us. But you know, like you, as if you're a parent, know what's best for your children. You know, what, when, when they ask, give me the, the big knife when they're two years old, you know the answer is no. No, no, that's not good for you. And then that's a tantrum and all of these things, you know, but it's not a good idea. Some things they want to do, we say, no, not yet. And again, so, so God loves us. He knows, He hears our every prayer. You know, there's no one who loves you like God. Like I love what one of the church fathers used to say, God loves us. He loves you like there's no one else to love. That's how much He loves you. Yet, He will not change the rules for you and me. Eh? The main reason we battle to trust God is because we only look in the here and the now. We only judge our current season or our current place that, that we are in but God sees from eternity to eternity and he knows best he knows best you know the greatest prayer we can pray is Lord you know the future you know the future I want what you want you know I pray far more Lord give me your will not my will Lord close doors if it's not from you open the right doors from you you see there are many examples of God's delay you know it and I can say in this country it feels Maybe for many that God is delaying. Why is God delaying? But we see this in Scripture. Abraham, David, Joseph, Hannah, Elizabeth. You know, they, they only saw answered prayer after learning to trust God. After God finished preparing them and getting them ready and timing was right. Many of them still tried to help God. Yet God stayed true to His promises. David waited for God instead of trying to grab the kingship. Yet not without persisting, learning in to trust God, to learning to wait on what God wanted to do. Because as one guy once wrote, he says, you know, it's like David is running from God and he's crying out, why Lord, why? He says, you know, 
It's probably God saying to him, well, you know, David, I need to remove Saul from your heart first. That's why you're running from Saul, because we all have Saul in our hearts. I need to remove him first, so that you can become this great king that I've called you to be. So again, what's my encouragement to this morning? Wait for God. You see, Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite preachers, he used to say the worst thing that can happen to someone is to be promoted before you're ready. So again, I say, God is busy doing something, friend. Do not think for a moment God is not busy. You know, God, His actions, His kingdom, the things that He's busy doing is not linked to this kingdom. God do what He, what he pleases. He's active. He's working right now. So how do we wait well? Almost done. Firstly, patiently. Now, I don't know about you, but that day they handed out patience. I wasn't even there. Okay, so patience is definitely not one of my things. So, so how do we wait patiently? Well, don't give up. Can I encourage you? Don't give up. Don't despair. The story of Zimbabwe is not over yet. It's not over yet. This story is not over yet. What if this is the year that God changes things? Hey? What if this is the year? Patiently waiting. Perspectively. How do we wait? Perspectively, like a watchman. You see, a watchman, you, they used to have, their cities used to have walls. And then they used to have watchmen on, on a tower that would look out and see if there's any trouble coming. So that watchman had to climb the ladder to get a different perspective. So how do we wait? We need to wait like a watchman. That's why we need the Word. That's why we need to spend time with God. That's why we need godly community, which helps us to climb the tower, the, climb up to the climb the ladder so we can have a different perspective of what God is doing. How else do we wait? We wait obediently. You know, be a watchman at your watch. You know, the watchman. They faithfully standing on God, standing at their post. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant, but I don't know why we call them waiters. Maybe some restaurants, it's like that. They're waiting for you and you're waiting for them. Okay, that's not how it's supposed to work. But when we say waiter, it means serving. You know, they, they actually wait on you. They, they, they serve. So, so while we're waiting, may we continue to serve God. Serve His people. Serve His purposes in your workplace. How else do we wait? We wait God-focused, knowing that let's keep on the focus on God. And then lastly, joyfully, how will God find us? Will He find us? How will He find us waiting? And there's this incredible scripture that says, when God comes back, He, the King of all the earth, will wait on those who waited on Him. He will serve those who were serving Him. You see, friend, can I tell you, your life matters. Everything you do matters. Every fight, every you know, thing you persevere, every time you, you stand for God, it matters. One day, Jesus is coming back. He says, I've got my reward. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it every time you acted by faith, every time you persisted. Every time you waited on God, He says, I'm going to reward you for that. Okay? Is it difficult to live in a, you know, how, how can we be godly in a godless world? How can I raise children in a godless world? How can I do this? 
No, actually, God says by faith you do that. Holding on, standing, teaching them, walking with them. And, 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 and tomorrow you get up, you do the same. And the day after you get the same. Because you so now at the end, He will reward you. Everything you do, He will reward you for. So, this morning, I want to, again, I ask you, are you ready for answered prayer? God has given many promises to this country. I don't know when is the last time that you've maybe just looked at some of the prophetic words. Just look, dusted them off. Looked at these prophetic words. You know, because the beautiful thing is, God is not a man that He can lie. What He says will come to pass. Whether you believe it or not, His name and His reputation is at stake. So if God said something, it will happen. His ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts, but those who trust Him will one day declare all things, Lord, all things not worked out for good. You have so many testimonies here. You have testimonies we don't have. Just listening and speaking over the years to, 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 to many of you, you've experienced that God is alive. You've experienced and you continue to experience that God is active. Again, I say you are hearing, you are going through things, but because of that, you are seeing God in a way that we don't. We don't. We, like I say, we love testimonies. We don't like the test. You see, friend, God wants to work through you. But He doesn't need your help. But when you will surrender yourself, if you say, Lord, what has He placed in your hands? Is it a few cows? Is it some spreadsheets? Is it some children? Is it, what has God placed in your hands? Because He only expects you to be faithful with that. So what do you do in the meantime until this promise is fulfilled? You know, is, we need to wait actively on God. God works when we wait, Isaiah says. And He waits when we work. Hey, what has God given you now? What has God entrusted to you now? David had to take care of some dusty old sheep. But that prepared him to be king one day. What is God entrusting to you? What is God entrusting to you? So after realizing that God's will and timing is best, this is what Habakkuk concluded. He said, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though... The olive crops fail and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. What's the point? Habakkuk realized, even if I don't see it, God is working. God is working in our, in our lives. So the question is, can God be trusted? This is Paul's testimony, end of the life. I've learned to be content. In whatever circumstance I find myself. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. You see when we pray. Can I say friend don't stop praying. Don't stop calling out to God. Because what is prayer? Prayer is inviting God into our situation. Well, you know, we see so many examples. The government has done this. No, ask God. His government precedes any government. 
ask God to change the hearts, change, you know, of these things. Anything can happen. The question is often we say when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. So rather be a good steward now. Maybe you've got much, maybe you've got little. Keep asking, keep knocking on heaven's door. And get ready for answered prayer. You see, I, you, you see this example in scripture. It seems like there's a container where all our prayers go. And when that container is full, God says, okay, now they start pouring it out. And suddenly you see this incredible amount of prayers answered. How full is that container right now over Zimbabwe? What if your prayer is the last prayer that's needed to tip that container? Who knows? Who knows? So friends, I want to say to you this morning, is there still someone here who wants to do something great for God? Not just coast along, not just maintain what they have, but to go somewhere, to do something. Again, I say God's kingdom is not dependent. It's connected, but not dependent on this kingdom. Is there still some here that wants to build something eternal? Some here that still wants to live a life that counts. Well, friend, can I encourage you again? If you believe in God, walk with Him. Walk with His people. If you believe in prayer, pray. I don't know if you've got corporate prayer, but come, do you have corporate prayer? Come and pray. Come and pray. That is our greatest work. Say, Lord, work. Where two or three are gathered, I'm with them. God, you know, there's something that happens. You know, when we come together and we stand, say, Lord, do this here and no further. Do you believe the Bible? Read it. You see, friend, more than ever do we need faith. But where does faith come from? It comes from the Word. Read it. Study it. Get to know this God. So that when He asks you to fall, close your eyes and fall back, you're not scared that He will let you fall. Hey, get to know Him. If you believe in the local church, do not forsake the gatherings. You see, the local church is like a well. I don't know if you've seen just throughout Scripture, you know, towns always gathered around wells. Amazing things happened around wells. People found spouses, destinies, futures. All of these things happened around wells. This church and other churches in the city is like a well. It's a place where this life must come from. That will be taken to the rest of the city. So if you believe in the local church. This church is, like, is meant to be like a city within a city. What God will do here starts here. It, it starts here. May it spill over into the workplaces. Into the city and beyond. If you believe God is the Lord over your finances. Then sow into God's work friend. I often say to our people. I said you know every day millions are sown into evil. Millions are sown into things that breaks down community, breaks down family, breaks down society. But here's a place where we get to sow into something that's going to build up a city, build up a community, build up these things. If you believe Jesus, Lord and Master, then He says, do what I say. Do what He says. So, there is no limit to what can happen. What lies on the other side of your and my obedience. No limit. If we will just continue to 
Say, yes, Lord. Continue to obey His word. Continue to stand. Say, this is not right. If God is for us, who can be against us? So I ask you this morning, what will you do this year? We know if you do nothing, we know what will happen. But if we keep doing something, what could happen? What could happen? So I say to you this morning, King City Church, are you ready? Are you ready? God wants to do something and is doing something incredible. Maybe you don't see it. What's that song we sing? Even if I don't feel it, even if I don't see it, He's a miracle working. God is working in our midst. So will you, even this morning again, will you, will you just keep giving God another chance? Will you keep on asking Him, Lord, help me to see God. Help me to see what it is that you're busy with. I can tell you for us coming here, you know, every time we come, I, I see change. I see pro, I see these things. Sometimes difficult to see it when you're in a situation. I say again, it feels like there's something different in the area. Something different. I was thinking this morning, and I'll, I'll you know, end with that. Just thinking of, you know, I just had this, this vivid picture this morning, just of these dark clouds. And someone just comes and starts to, like this cloud's like a sheet, but it just punches holes into that cloud. And light started to come through. Do you know every time you act by faith, do you know every time you stand, every time you trust God, every time you pray, every time you, you do the things He's called us to do, it's like it's busy punching holes into these things. Punching holes. So that more light can come. More things can come. Eh? So again, friend, you are here because God is not finished. This story is not over. And He wants to use every one of you. He wants to use you to bring about a different thing in this city and beyond. Amen.